1: Dr. James McCleary, and aside from being the executive producer of probably my favorite documentary I've ever seen, which is The Work, and I recommend it all the time, uh, he's also um, uh, he has a PsyD, so a clinical psychology, forensics emphasis, but he's done many things, many fields in psychology that he's worked in, but also he's a, he's a, a lifelong mentor, and mentorship uh, is, is something that he's developed in very nuanced ways. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about emotion work and shadow work and all the, all the deep stuff. So I just want to introduce uh, Dr. McCleary. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming. I really appreciate it. I've been looking forward to this for a while. Yeah. Um, so maybe just start by taking us back to your younger life, what, you know, maybe a little bit about where you came from, maybe how you grew up, but what got you interested in this world of, of mentorship and, and, uh, doing the deep work? Uh,
0: yeah, the, the introduction into mentorship and deep work really, uh, stretches back to when I was a shorty. Um, I was born in uh, 1948 in Chicago and You know, all my grandmothers and older aunts, they had this kind of psychic ability. Mm. So if someone was pregnant, they'd dream of fish (laughs) and tell the person before they even knew they were were pregnant or they would say, don't go there, don't go here. Uh, So I was interested in that kind of intuitional insight Mm. and wondered how they had that. Uh, Did I have it? Uh, and I grew up in a um, pretty tough neighborhood. Um, at that time, uh, African Americans lived in an area of about ten blocks by twelve block radius. So everybody lived there. Uh, all the jazz people who came out of there, um, Elijah Muhammad from the um, started the Muslim Black Muslim movement, uh, Mahalia Jackson. I mean, you name it, people who who lived in Chicago that were Black and famous lived right in the neighborhood. So we saw everybody and interacted with everybody. Um, But it was pretty tough. And, you know, my family, um, you know, they were were in, they didn't call it crime. It was an alternative uh, uh, income resource because, you know, (laughs) nobody really got paid enough from their regular jobs. So uh, uh, around the time that I, I was uh, 10, 12 years old, uh, the gang movement began to uh, pop up. And uh, my grandmother was a block away from uh, Jet Ford, who was uh, the uh, or seminal leader of the um, Blackstone Rangers, which were the El Rookins, which really... Uh, influenced Crips and Bloods and all that, and I went down the street from uh, Larry Hoover, who started the uh, disciples. Mm-hmm. So the guys, disciples, are all over there, and they—it was a uh, a gang activity, and then it became a business. And so that's when you know dope and everything came into the the neighborhood from um, the outside, and so I saw people take advantage of other people and I didn't like that right I didn't like being taken advantage of and I didn't like to watch people getting taken advantage of so early on and I mean eight nine ten years old people were referring to me as friend of the friendless oh because I, I was an advocate for whoever was getting tick ticked on right oh I love it the underdog
1: yeah.
0: and so then um the, I went to Catholic schools. My, my uh, mother and father, at that time, Black people uh, believed that the only way out of the neighborhood was education. And so reading and writing was important, and so they sent my brothers and sisters uh, and I to Catholic school. And, you know, I loved sports, and myself and my crew, we'd be out uh, playing sports, basketball on the courts, and and everything else that's going on on that court, too. So this priest who, uh, Father George Clemens, he was uh, African American. He was the first priest to adopt children, mm-hmm. and the Pope didn't like it, but he couldn't excommunicate communicate him, and he was an activist mm-hmm. uh, at the time. And he gave mm-hmm. us the key to the gym, gymnasium, and said, you can use this gymnasium anytime you want. And which was the boon because then we could get away from the streets and really play how we wanted to play. Uh, and his requirement was we'd meet him at the rectory on Saturday morning, and he'd give us an address, and we'd jump on a public transport public transportation. And every Saturday, it could be a nursing home where we would read or do something with older people. It could be a white school and way across town in in chicago and we just sit down and talk with white students all right it could be anything wow but that's that's what happened uh every weekend um and so i got to see well talking to people there's a common ground that can happen and as i got more comfortable with it more honesty uh, was there and transparency of hiding who I was and them hiding who they were, we sort of talked honestly and openly and transparently. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, somewhere around my twenties, um, well, I had known my wife since I was eight years old, and I caught you know a, a case, my last case, which was a pretty big case, uh, and. I was able to go to trial, been to trial twice. I was a- able to go to trial and, and get it dismissed. Mm. It mean, cost money for that to happen. But then, <laughs> Chicago was a was city that worked on graft. So mm. If you paid the right people off and they had the right lawyer, uh, you, you could skip through the system. Mm. And she looked at me and she said, it's either their life or the, it's the streets." Mm. And so that's, when I went back and got my college degree, um, and then I went to uh, medical school, and transferred out of medical school after two years into the law school, mm. um, and you know graduated with a health law policy emphasis uh, in legislation, and I got a job at a pharmaceutical company, and so I was like an institutional rep lobbyist but I was also always tutoring, you know, in the neighborhood or some kind of service work. Mm. And then uh, somewhere around my late 30s, 40s, I got introduced into an intense men's weekend. Um, It's called the Mankind Project. And I was amazed. It was modeled after the rights of pass, indigenous rites of passage, and so it was a deep dive into looking at who I was as an individual and what my my gift was, and really having clarity around my gift and accountability and the responsibility to that gift is where I first kind of learned that with mm-hmm. with an awareness and clarity, and uh, as things happen, as you know, the spirit universe, whatever you want to call it, (laughs) puts things in front of me. And I I got an opportunity, my wife and I, to go down to the Amazon. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think this is about 25 years ago. And we worked in this uh, little village and a family just kind of adopted us. So they inducted us into their family, you know, as a family member. And we went through, so we had to go through their rites of passage and just for about five years, they just had us apprentice, if you will, in their form of um, healing, basically. And right about a year after that, my wife had a dream um, about this Sengoma in, in Africa, because my wife was pretty psychic. And uh, I was doing a lot of men's work and leading trainings, and I got an invitation to lead a training in South Africa. And this is where this was from God a lot. Oh, wow. And at, at, you know, synchronously, if you want to call it that, we're at at, at the dinner uh, with the family who was hosting us to be there, and their daughter was there with her friend, and her daughter had just left the Saint chronicling uh some of the things that he is. He, he's a Renaissance guy and he just he died about three, four years ago. Name is Credo Otoin. Hmm. And he was actually in Saint Goma for Mandela and the, you know the AMC and so we found him and he took us in wow. and adopted us <laughs> and taught us you know, the ways of uh, the Zulu uh, healing. And um, so then I brought that back and it it just became incorporating into you know, the psychology this psychology uh, profession that I was also in. Uh, I'm a jack of many trades, as you can tell. (laughs) And um, I so the heat the, it, in in both the jungle and and, and um and in, in the bush, and this is even um, at the time we also got inducted into the Lakota family, on the reservation, <laughs> North Dakota, Pine Ridge Reservation, and we spent about ten years uh, with them, and I I saw that the way they treat people who are off was not to send them to and isolate them to a, a, a special place where you know, the conditioning of stigmatism can happen. They explored the gift in whatever, if you want to call it insanity, uh, whatever gift they seemed to have mm. and utilized that gift. So you know, instead of being isolated, and uh, uh, kept out of the culture, they were members in the culture who had a gift to share. That's beautiful. So this notion of sharing your gift, which incidentally, all three cultures called your gift of medicine, your medicine. Um, I began to uh, uh, look at my gift medicine and let it just expand into wherever it could go mm-hmm. and so that just took me into uh alternative schools where there's behavior problems or you know jail and prison settings or you know with my I'm a cons- uh, a business consultant into the boardroom where <laughs> mm-hmm. there's this conflict and 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 not I'm not on the same page mm-hmm. and uh having, cultivated these gifts of uh disarmament, transparency, and a format for speaking the truth so it can be heard, right? Um it's just where I kind of evolved it. I love it.
1: And I have I have so many uh reflections uh, on everything <laughs> you just said. There's so much there. Um maybe I'll start with what you just said and and that is I suspect when you walk into a room, a group of people, aboard, like with this level of experience, this level of clarity in your own... I, I already know you've done your own work very, very thoroughly over and over and over because you're required to to go through all of this. Um, you probably pick this up at a very intuitive level now. Like you you probably pick it up in a room of people or just around the dynamics of people interacting with one another, how people are feeling, where, where the medicine needs to, to go. Um, and, uh, that's what I saw when I watched the documentary, the work there was, it wasn't just you, there were many very, uh, clear, uh, very vulnerable, open and experienced people there clearly, but there was something there that was beyond the ordinary, um, environment to the, the way we, they were, the, there's an offering to explore ourselves in a very deep way that's safe. And, and it's so paradoxical because it's in, this isn't a prison with, criminals who are many who are going to get out even I mean these are these are violent and so forth but the clarity and the willingness to go into these deep places with everyone there was just so astounding to me Uh, and that's largely why I've been interested in talking to you so um, I guess I I would would be curious probably hard to summarize in a few bullet points but what um, what did you glean from these processes these three sort of uh, native culture, uh, processes that, that these may have been around hundreds or thousands of years and been developed in their culture and what did you glean from that as far as what does that, what, what that process has to offer the average person, um, or, or the suffering person and I think we're all suffering to some degree when we start looking into this stuff. Uh, is there, is there a few things that someone could take away from what that, the value of that? Uh, Yeah, a couple of things. One is that
0: uh, what I discovered, and, you know, anthropologists, sociologists, psychologists, uh, they agree with this point, is that every thought and behavior is connected to a need. Hmm. And so uh, the, the, the verbalization or the acting out is really describing what the need is hmm. and just by paying attention and and, and having a, 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 a technique to take your judgments and hold them over here so you're not uh, muddying up the clarity of what's coming at you, feeling, hearing, saying, um, is a way to empathize. So taking the judgment out provides a motivation for wanting to do it versus some interior ulterior goal, right? Mm -hmm. So that motivation to be empathic Mm -hmm. and be in empathy with the the individual. That's kind of the first thing, right? Yeah. And then once that happens, there is kind of a resonance and an attainment of it that happens. Uh, the other person recognizes that too. Well, they may not be able to call it that, but because I I have this uh, drive to operationalize the unknowable and, and articulate, right?
1: Yes, yes, um, I relate. kind of how I, I, I put it, right?
0: And so they sense that um, safety and trust just in this energetic you paying attention to someone. They appreciate that shit, right?
1: Absolutely. So
0: then the dialogue begins. And from the dialogue, uh, they're actually telling you what it is they have angst around and just with um, appreciative inquiry questions, right? Not, so you are this, it is more or less so... Um, I'm hearing that this happened to you. Do you know why? Can you understand why? And then they can reflect, and they say, "Well, this happened." This and it leads back to a trail of some seminal wound, mm. or some some event, some trauma. You know, yep. right? And uh, trauma doesn't mean that you got hit over the head with an anvil. It just you could have a, sight, a, a slight when you were younger. You know, it's snowing outside. You're four years old. You want to go out and play in the snow. So you're on your way out the door with one boot on and coat open and no gloves. And your mother is frazzled because there's no milk. And she's on your baby brother and she yells at you. Well, you don't know that that yell is you're doing something wrong and she has concern. All you know is the person who is the old being in my life. Mm-hmm. is displeased with me there's something wrong with me right and that's kind of the beginning of the shame piece yeah uh that what starts to happen then you build up strategies not to fill that age that's whenever right. any cue in the environment triggers that yeah. and so over time you get to be an adult it's a pretty sophisticated strategy yeah but it's actually built on a four-year-old plate
1: yeah, I, I I feel you. I I find exactly this. Um, and I, one of the things I thought to say was, or to reflect on, uh, was the bit about um. I, I, what comes to me is is the phrase I heard a long time ago: "Is people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care." And I've been in environments like with with people just who have been so traumatized and. Um, I've had that feedback from them that you know you you care about us like almost surprised sometimes in a clinical setting yeah. and yes. I'm like how can I not you know <laughs> um <laughs> I want to be available i I mean that's if I have a gift it's it's I, I it's that willingness to be endlessly available to suffering and yeah you know and 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 get anything I need to get out of the way um to to prevent that from happening because um what else are we here to do really you know what I mean what else right. anyway, so that that's how i feel about it but um but there is and i think there's an importance to seeing the the processes by which these identities get built you know these coping mechanisms we'll call, we we could call them identities or alternative identities um that get built on top and i agree that underneath all of it oh. you can get down there it's it's a hurt child it's a it's a wounded child it's a you know it's and they and they come down to very simple needs the the you know the need for safety the need, yes. <laughs> the need to understand, the need to be accepted by my parents and also my friend group and my you yeah. know, whatever. These these very simple needs. And and I think it's beautiful like the idea of getting down to that, finding that with somebody um in real time. That's spot on. And and the the the, the
0: part of the process of doing that is actually using the Indigenous parts of a rites of passage. Hmm. So, you know, the first part is the call. So, if somebody has an internalized wanting itch, knowing that they should be somewhere, hmm. then they've heard the call. Hmm. So they're already open, right? And then once that call is is there, the, the sensei, the guardian between. The safety place in the outside world is sort of in vet whether you're going to contaminate the area or not, right? Mm. Or or how you might do it doesn't preclude you from being in there, but how you might do it. So you know the way will, our, our way is a circle. Yeah, you come in, you come into the circle with a group of people, right? And you know it's basic question that starts it off. We use uh even with my clients we start off with the pies physical intellectual emotional and spiritual so i check in first physically you know my knee hurts or i didn't sleep well or whatever right it sort of alerts people that you may be off a little bit or if you got this twitch it's not about you it's about (laughs) yeah yeah and intellectually with judgments and beliefs and thoughts are running around in my head right now, right? Um, And emotionally, am I mad, glad, sad, or fearful, right? Or whatever shape that is. Mm -hmm. And then spiritually, it's how aligned am I with my gift or medicine? Mm -hmm. Did I miss opportunities to use it yesterday or today? Mm -hmm. Um, Because there's an accountability and a responsibility Mm. to your medicine. Mm. You're responsible for walking around the hologram of it to know its maximum capacity, if you will, Mm. and you're accountable to use that whenever and if ever it's called for. Not when you think it should happen, but when the circumstances or the person needs it and asks for it, right? Mm. It's an invitation to use medicine. Yeah. And so the whole process is around um, uh, what's going on for you right now. Um, what are the risk dynamics of it? What's the cost and the benefit of doing or not doing? How are you not accountable to your own awareness of what this is? Um, and then what you going to do about it, basically. The <laughs> yeah. so person is... is uncovering through support what it is they're wrestling with. They come to a, a, an insight about it, right? and then now they're responsible to do something with that. Hmm. So it's not only uh, supporting someone to move towards their aha. Yeah. It's also connecting them to the visceral part hmm. of an epiphany. Hmm. It's like, oh, you're right, I could have been that, done miss whatever, in this play, right? Yeah. That gives a lot more energy and juice to uh, doing it in the future or cultivating it and practicing it and so forth.
1: Yeah, I love, I love the responsibility part at the end because maybe for some people uh, initially I, that's maybe very challenging because they're stuck in reactions. But once you start to actually sort of take that responsibility for your own gift as you call it which it certainly is your own medicine um there's a certain kind of confidence comes with that you start to trust yourself and your intuition in a much deeper way and that's a really nice place to get people to because yeah. it's it's integrated already it's naturally it's in the environment it's integrated into nature naturally and energetically already and that's when people start to feel their sort of their life root in a way you know um and oh, yeah. trust trust themselves like if i could if i could help anyone trust themselves in this world do more you know um not their reactions, not their conditioning and all of it, but but their their deep instincts about that they're fundamentally okay actually um that, that's such a gift to give people. The other thing I wanted to mention I thought was really fascinating when you talked about the p did it say it's p a i s or P-E? P for physical yep
0: I for intellectual e for emotional that's for spiritual
1: pies perfect okay, perfect I, I love, I'm sure I'm gonna use that now yeah. um, I I did something, I started doing something a couple years ago at, at my own retreats. It was just a friend's suggestion and I just played with it. And I was really amazed at how simple and well this worked, but we would get, just get in a circle and I've done it with 10 people. I've done it with 30 people. And instead of talking about stories and narratives and anything else, I just said, scan your body and find a sensation you're feeling anywhere. Very simple. Pressure in my chest, tingling in my belly, warmth in my hands just say something something honest and then the person next to you will repeat uh i heard you say that you feel this in this part of your body and i feel and then they would reflect on what they feel and sometimes it would sort of influence their own sensations and just go around the circle one time and i was amazed at the end of how connected everyone felt people felt mm-hmm. incredibly connected and they all said they did M- maybe more than when they're talking sometimes you know um mm-hmm. because we can also use dialogue a lot of times to go into complicity and keep our Selves a little unconscious about things um which is not what happens in your circles obviously that the point is to open up and go deep and um so that leads me to a question i have and that is not all circling groups are this they're of course they're not the same but I, I would say probably not all are not all as successful um uh I'm sure yours are but but i know and I've heard from some people who have got involved in various types of circling that Sometimes the dynamics can be dysfunctional even, and and then certain personalities can take over. How do you assure that the group you're in or working with or facilitating stays on track? Is it about strong leadership and experience? Is it about picking the right people? Is it about stating the boundaries and rules ahead of time? Or How do you navigate that?
0: Well, you actually described it. The, the technique is to getting people attuned to one another mm. and have resonance with one another. Mm-hmm. And as you saw, by the time the circle got around to it, everybody is like in a state of joy, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. And joy in the sense of, wow, I feel connected. I don't feel alone. Mm-hmm. I'm open mm-hmm. to say whatever is happening. So you 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 did there exactly what we do in the circle. Now once that happens, there is this uh, trust that things they may not ever have said or don't want to say can then be said, mm-hmm. uh, and then if it needs to be uh exercised the energy out somehow then there's t- some kind of role-playing process that occurs yeah right and it's an invitation all the time it's never hey come on get here it's i have a invitation for you <laughs> would you like to try something <laughs> right and the whole step of the way it's this is what's happening. You, you get, you see what what it is. Are you okay with this? What? So people are uh, involved and in complicit in their own process, mm-hmm. and when that happens, the betrayal factor that sometimes arises when someone is directing you to do something mm-hmm. doesn't happen, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And our culture at this point in time is uh, saturated with betrayal. Yeah. The preacher is stealing and fornicating with the congregation. Politicians are lying and, and getting paid from lobbies, right? Police are, are beating you up and, and shooting you down. Uh teachers are, are not listening to you or answering your every <laughs> Children are watching, are having this happen, and now they've got this media reinforcing all that. Mm-hmm. And so we've kind of isolated into these different tribal uh, uh, positions. Mm-hmm. And that conviction has been rock solid as a way of being safe and secure, Because mm-hmm. right, everything else is too risky. How do, how do I know I can trust you? Yeah. Right? And so in the circle, the, the thing that you, you talked about is, is providing this congruency between everyone. You know, when I say how I feel and what I do is aligned. Mm-hmm. So if somebody's sitting in the circle with their fists balled and they're talking, I and mean, they oh, go, what are you feeling here? <laughs> what, what emotion are you feeling? Mm-hmm. And they say, well, I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> and so why are your hands, are you ready to fight? <laughs> and they go... Well, I guess I am a little tense and frustrated and angry, right? <laughs> yeah. So it, it's that kind of attentiveness to each other mm. that recreat- creates the willingness to try the things that either I may not know how to try for myself, or I'm scared to do that. Mm. I'm scared to reveal myself in front of you because every, every other time I've done it, I've gotten pounded. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how that happens. It doesn't matter who's in the room, basically. I know we were in the room with uh I was in the room with Aaron. I don't know if you met him, but he's one of the, the team that's coming.
1: I know who he is, yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: So we're sitting there with police and district attorney and uh a couple of non for profit uh Direct CEOs and we're talking about this project restore in the early days. And the police, one of the the, the the director of the Bureau of Gang Violence, he's sitting there. He ain't listening to a word of this because in his knowing, these people will never change.
1: Mm.
0: <laughs> right? Yeah. These gangsters, they are never gonna change. They're mm. bred that way. And I can only be. um... Sorry about that. No worries. Um, I can only be um, one way Mm in order to do my job and be safe myself. Mm -hmm. And so he's sitting over there all closed up and I'm talking and he's making all these faces. Uh, I just got up out of the room and walked over to him and I said, would you stand up for me, please? And he stood up. And he's, he's not looking at me in the eye. I said, would you look at me, please? And I said, can you trust that I hear your point of view, trust in your point of view, and believe in your point of view? Can you trust that I'm doing that? And he went, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> There's no more trouble out of him in the group. Love it. Right? And the Mm -hmm. next time I saw him, he looked at the documentary. Now he's walking up to me, giving me a hug. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So shifts can happen just like that. Oh, man, I love it. If I'm willing to be rejected in that instant, Mm -hmm. to look like a fool in a circle 30 high-profile people. Mm. If, I, if I'm if i not willing to take that risk based on an intuitive knowing that I should, you know, that's how we portray ourselves internally as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the word risk, it really rings for me here. And it's interesting, I think of, again, I go back to the documentary, uh, but, you know, you look at these these men who lived lives of massive amounts of risk, right? Risk to themselves, risk to anyone who came in contact with them sometimes. And yet if you can channel that and say, let's let's take a different kind of risk here. Let's let's risk vulnerability. Let's risk exploration inwardly and do it in a in an environment that I'll just use the word love because it's love. It's love that allows us to happen. It, right. it's, it's it. That's what it is. That it can be profoundly transformative. And you know, zero recidiv- percent recidivism rate from the the circling group on inside circle zero. Show me any prison where that happens it, with any group. It doesn't, you know. So that's that's hard facts there. And and um, this is it. You know, this what you and I are talking about is was what I I've been interested in lifelong. You know, and can function in many different places at different levels. But um, you found the formula in one sense, <laughs> or you've learned the formula from a lot of people who came before it, you know and now you're an elder <laughs> elder of elders even so um, so if someone is listening to this oh you mentioned an opening an opening and I I, I look for that too in people um, when and some for me I, I would use a little different terminology just because of where I came from but it would be something like recognizing your own suffering because a lot of times we, we have this whole layer of inauthenticity that just says I'm fine I'm good. Mm -hmm. I'm fine. I don't, I don't feel sadness. I don't feel anger, you know, but anyone around you feels it, (laughs) you know, that kind of thing. And just touch in and go, wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah. I do have a lot of doubt. I have a lot of self doubt, you know, self criticism. And so to me, that's an opening. Um, but I, what do you mean by opening? And someone might be listening to this saying resonating with what we're talking about and they haven't found their opening yet, or they don't know, you know, like, I don't know, it's something here, but how do I start to access that in myself? What do I, how do i look inward or how, what questions could i ask myself to see if this is the some i want to start doing this work
0: yeah one way is just how how you phrased it if if you're attuned or you resonate with whatever their suffering is that's an opening hmm. if uh someone you know there's a lot of macro expressions on people's faces right so one really good way is to recognize a macro expression that conveys a, an emotion like people are they're 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 emotionally touched without even knowing they're emotionally touched because they they've ignored and suppressed it right but the body is never going to lie mm. So even the body may suppress full-blown tears. It's not going to suppress a misting over,
1: hmm.
0: right? And if I see that misting over, I might go ask, what happened just now? What, what were you feeling? Were you thinking anything? Hmm. And that takes them to their own reality, their own truth. Hmm. Well, what was what I just thinking? What was I just feeling? And then they begin to say that because it's an invitational question. Mm-hmm. And once that's the open, once they, yeah. they get you something, mm-hmm. there's an honoring of that and a working with. Mm.
1: Yeah. 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 Just a simple reflection on emotion. What are we feeling? What are you feeling? What am I feeling? Um, we We are, I think we're conditioned in a lot of our habituated patterns to not emote or to hide what we're feeling or to be embarrassed about feeling, um, especially emotions like shame, guilt, resentment, helplessness. These are pretty deeply buried usually. Uh, but they're a gold mine when you're finally willing to (laughs) touch in, you know, to to, to that human innocence, the helplessness and, and all of that, you know, it's, it's where we all connect in a way. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: When we first started, uh, uh, Doing the processes inside in prison, uh, rage was always the first one that happened. Mm -hmm. And we would take somebody and put them up against the wall and put a mattress in front of them. And there'd be about 10 of us home in the mattress. Yeah. And I mean, you're talking about people with arms that's big. Yeah. It, it, that emoting all that rage, once that was all expired you know, realizations about sadness Mm -hmm. uh, came up. And that sadness might have been a way of them understanding their own shame pieces. Mm -hmm. You know, so that started coming out, right? Once the the armor was down, um, the person's left with just relating.
1: Yeah. You know, the rage thing is fascinating. Anger is a fascinating emotion to me. Because it's it's all about boundaries and someone who has massive amounts of built up rage. I know where that comes from. I can, you know, I can feel it in them. Um, and, and I hope that anyone could connect to that at some point because that was you having your boundaries crossed or totally violated again and again and again. But you were not in a, a situation where you could protect yourself. You Maybe you're often a child and that gets buried, buried, buried. But to give people an outlet to actually just really let their body feel that in a safe space. I mean, that's a huge, that's a huge gift because what otherwise what happens is it gets channeled into coping mechanisms that are not particularly you know, helpful for that individual or people, other people. Um, that's beautiful. Yeah. And, and, and you,
0: what you just described was, you know, it, 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 in a way that we I can articulate it is the four major emotions are, are uh, Uh, portals into archetypes. Mm. And those archetypes have a behavioral mechanism, right? Mm. So the warrior holds the boundary Mm. (laughs) and it is through that energy of you shall not pass, anger, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's a purity. It's a polar purity. And uh, so if someone's angry then we know it's a boundary. If someone's sad we know that there was compassion withheld, and there was a loss that was never reconciled. Mm-hmm. If someone is uh, fearful, we know that's the gateway emotion into the, into the uh, the wizardry, the mm-hmm. magician. Mm-hmm. And so, someone has tricked them at a mm-hmm. deep level, betrayed them mm-hmm. in a way that they didn't see coming, because that's what betrayal is: you're trusting and trusting, and all of a sudden curtain gets down and you've yeah. been Yeah, right? <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> and joy is a gateway emotion into your sovereign. So how have you, you know, if, if if you wanted to give and that was thwarted, if you wanted to receive and that was thwarted, you know, there's, there's data and a story around that's connected to that. And you just develop this archetypal defense mechanism. As a way to shield yourself from further assaults, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you also keep the medicine from other people at arm's pay as well. Yeah. 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 That's a. So, those are some of the techniques, you know, that can be articulated around, you know, the stuff we, we normally don't have a structure for mm-hmm. to speak about. Mm-hmm.
1: Well that and that's the that's the thing that has been so fascinating about this about circling and about your your process and the the documentary to me is we're busy. Yeah, we're busy. We we live in a busy, fast-paced world. There's all kind every kind of distraction in the world and there's important things to deal with, you know, making money and career, family, all these things that require our time and they're great parts of our life. But I think I don't know, the last couple hundred years maybe and maybe in the United States and the west we haven't had a a good we haven't placed value on this kind of thing on mentorship on on rites of passage and so forth maybe it's sort of been lost and maybe it's coming back or we're reintegrating it um but there's such an important role here for for mentorship and for that group supportive uh, environment to re- to truly do the deep emotion work you know not to just pat each ourselves on the back and and avoid anything, but to really go deep. Um, and you and others have, are making that something. You're turning it into a, a, a valued part of our culture. I think. Um, and anyone who goes through it knows its value intrinsically, no doubt. Yeah. You know, no doubt, no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> and you no know, people might not. I mean, someone who's close to them is going to know the difference. But you could walk past them on the street. You may not know the difference. But to the internal experience. Is night and day between living a life of massive emotional repression and being in your head all the time and in reactions all the time and not even knowing it and being con- actually connected. It's everything.
0: It's funny because the first time that I, I took a deep dive into that organized way of doing it, I came home and my wife looked at me and she's like, What happened to you? Did the body snatchers catch you? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was just different. And my son, uh, within moments of me saying hello and whatever, he's like, Dad, what did you do? Oh, I wanna do it. Oh, I love so it. All my sons did it. Wow. My wife did did it. So, you know, we were a family that did it. Um, but the the other thing is the, the circle workers is, is just a uh, a gateway into proactive. Actively searching for what you don't know. Yeah, you know, there's if you don't know what you don't know, what can you do about it, right? But there's a proactive way to say, I don't know what I don't know, but I'm gonna keep digging away right here, and maybe it'll illuminate for me. Mm -hmm. And it it always does. Mm -hmm. So you talk about a busy life. My life was was so busy, it was unbelievable. I always had a business. Hmm. I always worked a full-time job. And sometimes when I was working a full-time job, I was also working in the hospital doing uh, night shifts, Hmm. right? I was always busy, but once a week, I sat in group. Hmm. Because I recognized I was so shut down. It was going to take me a lot of chipping away (laughs) to get to something. And so I'm still in grip once a week.
1: Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And for anyone watching this, I should mention, I didn't mention at the beginning. So you're going to be, you and Eldra. um, Aaron and Rick. Aaron and Rick are all going to be at our retreat next spring that I recently just announced publicly. And I wanted everyone to have an at least a one day intensive with you. So we're we're gonna have groups of twenty, and each one of them is gonna have a full day with you guys, like full on uh, all together. You'll eat meals together. You'll do you do your stuff together. Uh, and I think it's gonna be powerful for sure. Uh, can't wait yeah, to see I'd, the outcome. I've known uh,
0: you know the mm-hmm. the least I've known those guys is fifteen years. Mm-hmm. Well, I knew Rick. Almost twenty five years ago, went yeah. into, into Folsom. and I don't know whether you know their stories, but they were never supposed to be released from prison.
1: I, I I picked that up, and one one of them mentioned it during the in the documentary. Um, yeah, they they all had life,
0: mm-hmm. and on top of that life, some of them had like two two hundred fifty years. Mm-hmm. And from them doing the work every week, mm-hmm. the parole boards started to see them differently. Mm-hmm. So that, that's why there's zero pessimism. Mm-hmm. People it. work on their on themselves to the point where they just won't do what they used to do. Mm-hmm. There's no value in it. There's no. Wouldn't make else.
1: sense. Wouldn't make sense. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Uh-huh. Um, maybe I, I am curious a little bit, cause I, I, I heard, I think I might've heard this in an interview, but it was when I, was it the chaplain of New Folsom prison thought of putting it together, a circle group, and they kind of came to you and what was your reaction when they said, Hey, we want to do this inside of prison.
0: Well, there was, there was a guy who was a pin pal. Uh, they pull it back and forth with this guy named Pat Nolan who actually was the guy that said, we got to do something different. There was a riot in 1996 and everybody was locked down and he just knew that it had to be different. So he walked around the yard. Uh, he, t- he talked to a chaplain and said, and we used the, the, the chapel because it's two places in prison and in neutral. They mm-hmm. have visitation in the, in the chapel mm-hmm. in the chapel. And he, Made it so that he could pull these guys out of the cell. So there's us. Where are you going? What's going on? And all these shot callers from these different gangs. From, we're talking Aryan Nation, uh, Black Guerrilla Family, Crips Bloods, Serenios, Martania, we everybody whose leaders would be in the chapel with uh, this guy, uh, uh, Don um and the chaplain and this guy named rob who was teaching poetry in there who's who's an ex-convict and i had known rob from doing he'd been to africa doing work and so we had a commonality about that so i knew him and uh when this guy pat said we got to get a circle together and we we got to come together uh rob Asked me if I would come in there and help them because I have had a lot of experience with tribal uh, circle, and so we organize this thing and
1: still going. Love it, absolutely love it. Um, I, I also wanted to say I I, uh, I thought that the way you put it, uh, that the circle this process is a is an invitation to start to uh do this as an ongoing or proactive investigation into I think you said what you're not seeing <laughs> yes yeah and, and 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 that's that's what this comes down to it's it's I can't think of the quote right now but Jung had a quote about the shadow and he said all transformation occurs in the shadow not in the light of day that's where you go yeah. you know and is it scary yeah is it disorienting yeah uh is it you know does it take work does it take Going through emotional barriers, absolutely. But what else are you going to do? Like that's what you're here for. That's the hero's journey, in 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 my opinion. Uh, yes. And and uh, and I agree with you. It it, it it's like you find your way, whether it's through circling or whatever it is. But at some point, it becomes so alive in you that it's you're doing it all the time, every day, one way or another. It's that I feel it. You know, uh, how mm-hmm. how can I be more open? How can I reach people? who were even in more difficult situations and circumstances and more traumatized. And, um, it always comes back for me. It always comes back to love really. Um, you know, not, 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 um, not conditional love, not, and almost not even a personal love, but just a, a love of, of the, of the process itself of the openness, uh, of the archetypes that are here to help us and guide us and the traditions, all of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, uh,
0: well, I kind of I, I just blanked out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this this proactiveness. You, I know what it is now. You spoke of the shadow. Hmm. So, uh, the way I operationalized understanding the shadow was that you have this medicine. The misuse of it is is the shadow, hmm. and um, anytime uh, I'm in shadow it becomes more about me than the we. Mm. And so that's kind of my gauge. If it's becoming more about me, then I know I'm slipping in the shadow. Mm. If if it's about we, then I'm actualizing my medicine. Mm -hmm. As long as that doesn't turn into
1: a me. At that point, I'm enabling or becoming a martyr. Sure. right yeah absolutely yeah yeah I agree with that for sure and it's it's a really simple and good litmus test and I've just found over the years uh, the more I sort of lean into what we're, we're calling the medicine or the, the the ability that any human being has to serve in however whatever capacity that is for them the more I lean into that the more natural effortless peaceful honest authentic everything feels <laughs> and yeah that's that you know so, I, I gotcha. Yeah. Um. Uh. I guess any other question? Any other um points you'd like to make about um about circling process, inner work finding your opening for anyone watching? Just, just, just advice for someone out there who's suffering, and a lot of people who come across this channel feel that.
0: Way. Yeah, I, I don't know if I could give advice, but I, I would say if you have an itch to read something, read it. And if you're moved by that, find a place where, oh, like people, you know, so it's just group stuff. Mm-hmm. You sit in a circle with people. Uh, they're going to bounce things out. You're going to, some will resonate, some are that. And if you want to go deeper, there's lots of groups that are doing deep work, mm-hmm. right? And you probably know quite a few of them. Uh, If it's women, there's the her, there's women within. If it's men, it's the Mankind Project, it's the Underground Railroad, um, and uh, people who are really interested in criminal justice, it's inside circle. Inside circle. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And these are all groups I know that do active circle inner work with. The idea of creating a better person. Mm. Beautiful. Your best self.
1: Your best self. Yeah. You know, I I listened to a, a podcast with Eldred talking to maybe Rick. He's talking to somebody. No, it was it was um no, it wasn't, it wasn't Rick. It was he was ta- he was being interviewed actually on a podcast on YouTube. And someone asked him, What do you you know, what can you ask yourself if if you if you tell yourself, well, I don't I don't live in fear. And he said, ask yourself, are you living your best life? And if you're not, why? You know, and I thought that is genius. I mean, it's really comes down to that, you know, you got to trust your gut on that, though. Am I living my best life? You know, yes. yeah, I do that. That's what I do every morning where I go out of bed. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, any any resources you want me to specifically mention here or put out? I'll, I'll I'll put a link to the inside circle resources on on the video and so forth. Um, well, we're and, actually doing doing an, an outside circle in San
0: Francisco in October and they can get <laughs> that on the on the website
1: awesome so is it intensive like a weekend or
0: it's an, a weekend intensive
1: very cool okay anyone watching this if that's something that this stuff's interesting to you go you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna have some some stuff move around <laughs> don't doubt about it you're gonna dig in deep um and I'm so looking forward to next spring. It's going to be a blast. It'll come quick, but I can't wait to, to meet you all there and see see this. And I hope I can be in one of the circle. I have a lot of stuff to do there, but I, I'll do what I can to get there. So <laughs> I'm sure I'll meet
0: you. <laughs> you, cool. you sure will, brother. Thank okay. you for speaking to me.
1: Thank you so much. It was really a delight. I really feel like I resonate with you, connect with you at a very deep level, very very heart-based human being. Yeah. And you're, you're, the, way you, the way you move in this world, is I have tremendous respect for. I just wanted to say that.
0: did uh, ditto, my brother. <laughs> Looking forward to understanding and seeing more of you. All right, my friend. You take care. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs> bye-bye.